Um, it's a great privilege on behalf of Council to really give all of you a bit of an overview from a Council perspective. I warned the Vice-Chancellor that if I was to really be realistic about it, I could actually spend the next kind of five hours talking to you about what is probably one of the most amazing years in the history of this university. So in spite of lots of difficulties uh, which are facing not only the country from an economic point of view, but perhaps the tertiary education sector in particular, this institution has in fact continued to make gaining uh, increases in stature, both locally and internationally. Now, one of the most worrying things that is happening in the tertiary education institutions in this country is the number of universities that are under administration. And you can't underestimate how serious this is, and it has a severe impact not only on those institutions that are in trouble, but the ones that in fact that are performing exceptionally well. So from a council point of view, we have to be really concerned about some of the key and underlying findings that have come out from uh, the reviews of these institutions under administration, and what in fact was it that actually created such a serious problem that they had to find alternate ways to manage these institutions. And the most, the, I think the common denominator, and the Vice-Chancellor I'm sure will agree with me, has been a total breakdown in the relationships between executive management and council. And in many respects, you could blame executive management. In other alarming respects, you could in fact blame some of the most frightening behavior on behalf of council members. And this is, in fact, something that is of really serious concern and has had some important repercussions uh, over the past year, and I want to highlight these. First of all, of course, um, when you realize the problems facing these institutions and the financial drain on, in fact, the fiscus in this country and, in fact, the impact that it has on universities that are really working, that is serious. One institution just simply announces to government that they're short 200 million rand. Now that 200 million rand, although it could be spread over a number of institutions, means there's 200 million rand less for us. The other one um, is uh, the issue around what, in fact, would you do if you were the Minister of Higher Education and you were faced with this alarming situation? I understand that there's possibly one or another two institutions that might, in fact, have to be looked at from that point of view. And so the reaction from the minister, which you can't totally blame him, was to say, I need to have a different way uh, to intervene uh, within these institutions. And you are probably aware that this resulted in um, the amendments to the Higher Education Act, which came out in December last year. And uh, this was, in fact, something that created grave concern for a number of us who were really worried about what the implications were of these amendments, and in particular, whether in fact such amendments actually have a major impact on autonomy of, of institutions. And I need to point out to you that our VC played a significant role in actually having the courage to write what people will recognize as a turning point in the relationship between universities and government in that newspaper article in the Business Day, where unemotionally he pointed out the severe pitfalls that could arise to the academic integrity of this country around 
the issues that were highlighted in that particular um, amendment. It was a courageous move. It, in fact, created quite a storm and, in fact, resulted in our Vice-Chancellor being almost denigrated twice publicly and uh, some of you know that I was also the victim of this at one occasion. Uh, but what actually happened as a result of that was, in fact, a willingness on the part of the Minister to engage with our Vice-Chancellor. And our Vice-Chancellor then went and spent some quality time with the Minister and I'm pleased to inform you that as of about an, half an hour ago, um, I got a letter from the Minister as a direct result of our Vice-Chancellor's intervention that there will be, in fact, a forum that is going to be put together to look at uh, this particular issue and to actually go about in a very mature way of trying to find an elegant way forward. So I think that that is an important factor. In, in, if you have a look at the response from other universities about the role which Ireland Rensburg played, a lot of people hankered back to the 1980s when universities actually had the courage to stand up and actually make critical comment uh, with, in fact, su substance about some of the issues that are, in fact, important. And so I think that this is an important uh, 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 sort of uh, milestone that we now have a very positive engagement with the Minister. I can confirm that uh, you are or might not be aware that uh, the Minister some three years ago requested all the Chairs of Council to establish a forum which is now known as the University Chairs of Council Forum, the UCCF. And we met as Chairs of Council with the Minister and uh, the road forward is incredibly exciting and very positive. So that's an important um, issue and it talks about this relationship between Council and Executive Management in particular. And I have to say to you that this is one area that we cannot be faulted. There is in fact very, very clear role clarity. There is no doubt in my mind that everybody exercises where council ends and where in fact executive management starts. And I want to, on behalf of council, thank uh, executive management for this incredibly positive role um, that we play amongst each other for the well-being of one of the most wonderful institutions in the country. The second thing that I want to highlight, um, which is really uppermost in the minds of council, is this issue of employment equity. And you have to believe that this is something that exercises our minds. We will go into a meeting this afternoon, once again reviewing where we are as an institution. And we take into consideration the challenges facing um, higher education in this country, in particular the source of uh, potential academics um, from previously disadvantaged groups. And I must say to you once again, Council is incredibly um, happy with what in fact is taking place in this institution and the emphasis that we are placing on employment equity but also in fact retaining nothing but the highest um, academic standards. The third thing of course which is of concern is um, recruitment and retention of staff and I'm pleased to say that from a council point of view we have been incredibly encouraged that some of the more recent senior appointments have come from within. And I think that this spreads a very, very important message and from a council point of view gives us a sense of feeling that our people who've given a lot to this institution are being recognized and we are extremely delighted about some of the more recent appointments where people from within UJ are now occupying senior executive positions. The third thing, sorry, the fourth thing is the really impressive role 
that this institution has played in terms of gaining recognition as a global player. And I'm sure the Vice-Chancellor is going to highlight this. But this is significant. It is, means that UJ, in fact, is not only recognized from an African point of view, but a global point of view. And also within Africa, the Vice-Chancellor, I'm sure, will highlight where we play a significant role and are recognized in many respects as an institution that leads a lot of, of the key uh, issues of being a 21st century university. And we want to congratulate uh, management on this and we are extremely encouraged. Yesterday um, I was just fortuitously here and uh, got involved in a discussion with uh, senior management at Ryerson University and once again isn't it incredibly interesting that a very, very interesting institution wants to come to UJ, spoke about an MOU, and that's not, in fact, because we happen to be here in Johannesburg. It's because of concerted efforts that have been put in place to make sure that we are recognized globally. The next issue, really, which is important is um, the issue around our strategic thrusts. I think I said this to all of you last year, and I want to reinforce this. Um, I've been uniquely privileged to work with many organizations in this country and I in fact have a firm belief that the statistics that show now that in South Africa about 90% of all strategic plans in any institution, whether it's public or private, never get implemented. This is de definitely not the case here, that when we meet with management in November every year, and we are presented as a council with the strategic thrusts and the plans we want to achieve in the next 12 months and then five years and 10 years <coughs> and hence, this institution achieves all of those targets. And it's very, very important to look at what we are saying now as an institution. And perhaps the most important thing is UJ has now recognized that it has a critical role to play in terms of meeting the national challenges that are facing South Africa. And this has been recognized by government as well, who've said that it's one of the few universities that is willing to make utterances about the critical challenges facing this country, not only in terms of skills, but in terms of strategy, in terms of critical uh, issues around economic growth. And so when you look at our strategic thrust, we don't take those lightly, and we are extremely encouraged that there is a genuine attempt every year to meet those, those thrusts to meet what, in fact, management commits to us. And you are probably aware that we spend uh, twice a year uh, looking at, in fact, from a performance point of view, whether our executives have met those challenges. And so when we look at this, perhaps one of the biggest uh, uh, developments and uh, from a council point of view, something that we've become extremely excited about is a commitment to resolution circle. Uh, you are aware that uh, this has been a tremendously um, interesting and exciting project and there's no doubt that we are going to be the only university in this country that is going to have uh, such a facility but perhaps more importantly and colleagues will recall from yesterday it's just so interesting that we've positioned Resolution Circle as in fact something that for example Ryson has to position themselves and there's such similarities that it's just really really exciting. So I think those are the key issues that I want to highlight from a council point of view. And I wanted to also say, in closing, that this institution, when I compare it to my colleagues who are chairs of other councils, is also blessed with the most remarkable members of council. Absolutely committed and dedicated people. 
So I want to also express our, my sincere appreciation and the Vice-Chancellor's sincere appreciation to our members of council who really give up of their time and are committed to the growth of this institution. That's where we are. Um, as I said, I could spend a lot of time, but those are the key issues that I think, from a council point of view, has really been of importance when we review the last uh, 12 months. And you'll get a lot more details um, from the Vice-Chancellor. Thank you to all of you for being here. In particular, I'd like to thank some of the external people who are not direct members of UJ for being with us and for the interest that they've shown in us. And I'm, I'm, from what we're looking now, 2013 is going to even be a better year. Thanks to all of you. Uh, it's indeed a great pleasure and a special privilege for me also to, uh, to be with you this, uh, this afternoon. Um, before uh, we get going with the presentation, um, I'd like also to express my very sincere appreciation um, to you for finding time to come and join us here, as I also want to express my sincere appreciation to the Chairman of Council, Professor Marcus, the Deputy Chairman of Council, Mr. Franz Baleni, the Chairs of Committees of Council, Mr. Trix Kutze Finance, uh, Mr. Cyril Gephardt, Planning and Resources, Mr. JJ Njeke, Audit and Risk, and Mr. Mike Teke, um, uh, Human Resources, who has taken over recently uh, from uh, Mr. Joel de Chole, and of course other members of Council for providing um, stewardship of the, the right kind to the University. Not invasive, um, uh, not uh, interventionist, but of a support of an encouraging kind, um, and I believe that the relationship that's been developed between Council and the University is probably one of the most single most important uh, predictors um, for the progress that we've been able to record in, in recent years here at the University of Johannesburg. Um, I also want, to, of course, to express my sincere appreciation to members of the Management Executive Committee uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor Sparek, who has just introduced herself, uh, Marwala, Research, uh, Maluleke, Internationalization and Advancement, Student Affairs, Fanumarva, uh, Institutional Support Services, Fanscore Finance, our Registrar, Mari Miller, and our Registrar-Designate, um, Professor Clinton Berger. As much as I want to express my sincere appreciation in their absence to our former Deputy VCs, Professors Habib, uh, then responsible for research and Crick for finance for their role in the results that we share with you today. Um, also to our executive deans, our executive directors, um, many who are with us uh, the, this afternoon, our heads of school and of departments, academics and other staff, leaders of the SRC and of the labor movement uh, in the university, um, and uh, none of this would have been possible without the coherence and the cohesiveness um, uh, that we've been able to, to establish here at the University of Johannesburg. Uh, and so the results that we share is as much, therefore, a testimony to council as it is much to the executive, the senior, the middle leaders, and the ordinary men and women meeting you at the gates uh, answering your telephone um, call into the university, um, the ones, the men, and the men and women cleaning the gardens, 
of the four campuses of the university. This would not be possible uh, without um, uh, any, uh, or, or this would not be possible without their amazing contributions. So, this report, of course, can only be about highlights. Um, you have the four reports with you. There is no way that I can share with you in 25 minutes at most um, uh, chapter and verse the account that we lay out, um, or the accounts that we lay out in this report. And so these can only therefore be highlights, and highlights I believe they will be. Um, I begin by saying that the university during the course of 2012, and by the way I should just mention, that 2012 was the eighth year of the founding of the University of Johannesburg. So 2005 founded, it's the eighth year. Uh, this is of course our ninth year. Um, we started off with a vision um, statement, uh, mission and value statement, which we considered uh, five years later to be outdated um, and required cleaning up, required alignment, required rethinking, fundamental rethinking um, uh, uh, in order to bring it in line uh, with where we were seeking to go. And so there you have um, the idea, the vision, very short vision. You can imagine how long that took to get to, to that stage. It's probably one of the shortest, crispest, crispest, crisp, crisp, visions, visions uh, of any uh, uh, university around today. And I would commend uh, our, our, our peer institutions to go through similar exercises in which we say what we mean and we do what we say, do what we mean. Uh, so they have it, and of course our mission inspiring our community to transform and serve humanity through innovation and the collaborative pursuit of knowledge. And so Resolution Circle, for example, uh, which is the platform, the interface between the university and industry, where we seek to innovate solutions to problems presented by industry, as well as, of course, our students and staff, um, represents um, uh, uh, an example of this. And uh, I guess I, I can let the cat out of the bag. The future home of Resolution Circle will be the, the glass building that you see down the road here on Empire Road, the old uh, auto and general building. That is where Resolution Circle in 12 months time will be fully established as the place of, of, of innovation. Um, our value statement uh, up there uh, also underwent obviously a revision. And I'm sure a quick glance at it will confirm or hopefully convince you that in fact this is a value statement that sits with the university. Um, it is not a value statement of MTN. Yesterday MTN released their results, right? So it's not a value statement of an MTN. It's a value statement we believe that meets the test of what it is to be a university. So innovation, sorry, imagination. Uh, at the core of what a university is, uh, conversation um, at the core of what a university is, um, uh, founded on the notion, certainly in the academic enterprise component of the university, uh, of collegiality. Um, and then, of course, regeneration and uh, an ethical foundation. If you just reflect on it, um, as UJ traveled uh, with its brand, uh, with its underpinning ethos and value system from 1980 
85, 86 onwards, the idea of rethinking education and reinventing yourself lies at the core of that. And so you can see the connection uh, between uh, reinventing and uh, uh, rethinking uh, firmly embedded in those. I'm not going to go through the um, strategic thrusts. These are available um, on page 6 um, of your report in the table there. You will find also um, information on what council considers to be the uh, important um, key performance areas. Um, there are um, a, There is a total of um, eight key performance areas and 22 key performance indicators which council sets targets for in collaboration or in consultation with management but obviously then tracks. So on page six you will find if you're looking for one quick snapshot of the university and keep in mind those 22 indicators can only be an extract um, of probably a hundred indicators or so across the entire university. And so I'm not going to run through these. Um, uh, you, you, you will um, uh, see them um, in uh, on page six of the report. So UJ continues to be an award-winning uh, um, brand. Um, I had difficulty with the word brand because what I'm what we're trying to capture here is that UJ had established its identity quite firmly. In our language, we call it accessible excellence. Uh, we've laid the foundation um, for that in our first eight years. And by the way, when we stand here next year, we will share with you our transition from that um, uh, underpinning philosophy uh, to uh, the idea of global excellence and stature. Um, so we, in the process of having that conversation, and in 12 months' time, we'll share with you chapter and verse, the elements of this transition from ac uh, uh, accessible excellence to global excellence and stature. But that gives you an idea that we, that we take uh, the work that we do here seriously. We put that work up for international evaluation. And uh, you can see, therefore, just in the, the examples here, that we indeed uh, are globally recognized for the outstanding work that we do on brand. Um, I think many of my peers continue to, to, to puzzle over the fact that the university, in the fourth year of its establishment, uh, and in the first year of the Sunday Times Generation Next brand survey for uh, the Generation Next group, um, uh, already achieved a, a second rating. Um, after the University of Cape Town. Uh, difficult to dislodge Cape Town. Uh, uh, we, we're happy, I should say, that we've been able to hold our positions, position at number two uh, in the eyes, in the <coughs> hearts, in the minds of the generation that are coming to our university in the next five years or have already entered our university um, in the course of the last year or two. That's really the generation next. Where do they believe? Um, uh, is the university that represents stature, that represents excellence, that represents inclusion, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, a very important thing for us, obviously, is the staff culture. Um, as you can imagine, when we uh, proceeded with the merger in 2005, three different identities, uh, resistant identities, collaborating 
identities. Um, uh, there must have been, there was clearly significant um, uh, cultural dissonance within the university. And so much of our work, therefore, is focused on making progress in respect of that matter. And so you can see uh, we were in no man's or no woman's land at 52% uh, in 2008 when we undertook this for the first time. It ticked up because of our efforts to 57%, but perhaps the biggest move was last year when we undertook this culture survey um, showing uh, a 69% positive uh, rating inside the university. Of course, we focus on the 31% because we keen. Okay, 100% is a challenge, but we think 80% would be fantastic. But nonetheless, 69% for a university, I think many of us would take it, uh, uh, given that universities, in particular the academic community, is not about everything, everybody thinking the same thing, agreeing on the same thing, every day, every minute, all the time. Uh, so good progress because of our efforts there. Um, I thought that it's important also to share with you UJ's uh, sport uh, uh, ambitions uh, before we come to the hardcore work of the university. Um, you, the university is uh, uh, easily one of the top three in terms of, um, uh, of in terms of the profile of its uh, sporting activities of the kind of students that it brings here and nurtures. And again, you can see the kind of contribution that we make. For example, 18 Olympians last, uh, 18 Olympians, 20 Paralympians, and 28 USAS, uh, USA, that's the national university's uh, student body's um, uh, colors. And of course, you can see also uh, 31 national and 17 uh, junior uh, um, achievers um, or, or color holders. Um, also in the arts and culture field, which the university is renowned for, um, we have uh, made uh, an important new appointment um, and uh, uh, Mr. Johadin has clearly shaken things up a bit. Um, and uh, I, I think that, that those of us who watch the, the offerings at the UJ um, Theatre, uh, both here on this campus as well as at Concalum uh, at Bunting Road, will be aware that he's shaking things up um, a, a little bit. But importantly, um, uh, UJ debuted um, at the Arts Festival um, I've referred to the uh, reopening of the theater. Um, and then we've increased our theater productions to 13 uh, during the course of last year. So let's get to the real business of the, of the university. Um, probably one of the most challenging issues is to improve success rates. When you have 48,500 students enrolled, with an average, our average enrollment, uh, uh, let's round it off, 77% is the, is the kind of full-time equivalent carried by each student. But let's make it 80%. Um, and that means eight modules enrolled for. So 48,500 multiplied by eight modules give you an idea, gives you an idea, that number. So to move that number by a quarter percent, by 0.1 percent, is quite a challenge. And so a lot of work goes in uh, into the university, uh, led by our deans, supported by academic development support, to um, create the conditions 
where many students struggle to make the transition into the university and enabling them to, to, to make progress in the university. And so uh, this number uh, is up by 1.5% uh, uh, over the previous year. So a significant improvement. Uh, and uh, Eugenius, <laughs> uh, the name uh, uh, was designed or conceptualized by our top students. These are our um, uh, students, undergrad students, who have an average of 75%. So we have this club called Eugenius. Um, very important gathering to, to support our top achievers, to enable them um, to, to, to draw benefit from our international relations uh, and from student exchanges, from uh, undergrad research projects, and so on and so forth. So an important uh, body uh, for the university. The, the one reason why we are continuing to make progress in respect of undergrad success rate is because of the success of our first year experience program. Um, and this basically means that instead of just a two-week orientation at the beginning of the year, we invest efforts throughout the year to track, to monitor, to support, to hopefully get our students who need it most into tutorial activities. I should also mention that we run winter schools um, as well. Uh, we'd love to see better participation from our students, but we do provide winter schools also to improve the, the success rate, to allow students then with, or provide them with an additional opportunity um, to, 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 to make progress. Um, I just uh, uh, introduced to you Alex van der Weyt and, and Henny Lotter. Um, I introduced you our Funda Ujabule. You can see this, this games here, eh? Funda Ujabule. You see that, right? So, so people, so, so Professor, uh, Gravit here and the colleagues are all the time and others are all the time looking at how we can get UJ into the, the acronym FUNDA or JABULA, FUNDA with joy, you know, FUNDA, uh, learn with joy, learn with fun, right? Uh, so that's the uh, uh, school that we have on our Soweto campus that will eventually evolve into a full model primary school. You may be aware that the university, in collaboration with Met Metropolitan, also runs a high school, a model high school, which sits easily in the country's top 10 public maths and science high schools. Uh, and it's worth, worth noting the UJ Metropolitan Academy as well. And uh, in September, typically, uh, we have a function where we uh, recognize our first years. This is almost part of the induction, the top students. Uh, and we will be having it uh, later uh, in September, again, in which students who are really top achievers are recognized for their extraordinary, extraordinary uh, achievements. So graduation numbers, are you probably interested in those? So you've got a nice success rate, right? Uh, how does it translate into graduation? That's the question we should always ask. So if your success rate is 85%, does it actually generate or translate into graduates? Um, the university has, um, uh, if you add up those numbers, um, we graduated um, uh, 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 last year 11,407 students in total. Um, we expected, based on our modeling exercises, 
to see that number come down from 11,227 in 2011. And the reason for that, in 2009 we had significant over-enrollment. And so we expected in 2011 our output, graduate output, to tick up significantly, which it did. But we expected it to fall back to 10,600, 10,700. But of course we didn't take account of the improvement in our success rates in that model. Um, and therefore the surprise and very positive result, 9,230 undergrad um, students, uh, technology and traditional university program, diploma, BTEC, as well as uh, degree programs in the university. Um, our honors output has reached the highest level. <coughs> our masters and doctoral uh, output in particular has now reached the highest level. Um, uh, and we're on track to, hit, to reach our 2020 target of 125 doctoral graduates, if I read the signs right. Uh, we're on track soon to reach uh, that, that doctoral graduate output. Um, so, 10% uh, uh, doctoral enrollment, 10% ahead of target, and a 90% growth in graduates. Uh, so, from that number, uh, you can see it probably sat close to 68, right? uh, or thereabouts. You can see a significant improvement, again, because of specific measures that the deans introduced um, uh, in order to, I don't say fast track, but move students along and in particular to move those out who have been in the system for far too long. Uh, and that work continues, of course, um, uh, right now as we speak. Um, the university is making significant investments in nurturing the next generation of academics, one that will be more inclusive, more diverse. And so the university invested or committed 25 million rands to nurturing a total of 80 40 masters and roughly 40 doctoral students. The doctoral students, the requirement is that they work for the university for three years. So we give them a significantly enhanced fellowship. Normal fellowship for doctoral studies, 80,000. UJ, 160,000. Why do we do that? Because we want them to move from undergrad into postgraduate studies and hopefully get attracted to the idea of being an academic. But of course we also have then to create jobs for them inside the university and this is an ongoing <coughs> battle between us and the deans about who pays uh, for these, these uh, posts of, of new generation scholars. So 13 scholars were appointed out of the group of 40. We expect the others to flow into the system this year. Um, I should also point out that one of the big projects of UJ, great success, is improving the staff qualifications. Um, minimum qualification we have set is a master's degree or, re or, or equivalent, uh, but we're now shifting gear and we have close to 120 um, staff members now enrolled in doctoral programs as well. And this is all part of continuing the momentum and building um, for the future. Um, just some images here um, of our staff qualifications program. I would have loved to say that uh, uh, she is still with us, uh, but we've invested in, by way of example, in the twins here, outstanding students, outstanding scholars. Um, uh, our challenge is once we've made the investment, we have to retain them. And often 
we just don't get it uh, don't get it right. One of the big uh, innovations for us um, introduced this year in January. Um, worth noting today, not next year this time, uh, was, uh, and you'll recall last year we had the tragedy in January with the uh, uh, the death of uh, Mrs. Gloria Sequane, herself a graduate, by the way, of the University of Johannesburg. Um, uh, Professor Miller and a team um, set about um, rethinking uh, this situation um, of walk-ins, physical walk-ins, which we abandoned this year, no more physical walk-ins. And then this Mobi site was developed to transition from physical walking to walk uh, to walking. Okay. Applica late application on your smartphone, late application on your uh, laptop, late application at a, a, a cafe, uh, uh, late application via a telephone call. So I should have added here, not only 35,000 hits on the website, but also, in addition to that, some 60-odd thousand phone calls to the call center handled through that uh, MobiSite application. So if you didn't have a smartphone, if you didn't have a, uh, a computer of your own, didn't have a Wi-Fi, uh, didn't have a 3G card, uh, and so on and so forth, you could phone in to the call center and the operator would take you through that site and do an application on your behalf. So major uh, uh, innovation and fantastic uh, accomplishment. Um, on community engagement, um, active in all faculties, uh, 95 projects that we um, uh, make sure that these are real community engagement projects. They've sustained over a period of time. They're not one-off activities. But really the big thing for us is to drive our student volunteer program. 3,000 students uh, participated in this vo volunteer program. This year our target is 5,000. What's the big idea here? We are, we're asking each of these students to do at least 20 hours a year. It's not much. Many of them already do that at high school. And when they come to the universities, our university, for example, here, there's nothing, there's no continuity to sustain that citizenship ethos and commitment. Uh, and so the big idea for us is if we can get 50,000 students in another three to four years' time, each to do 20 hours, we'll contribute a million hours of community service activities here in Johannesburg and in Gauteng more broadly. So that's the big dream. Um, students not only growing and being nurtured and becoming outstanding scholars or professionals, but also transforming community uh, and making a contribution in their communities. Um, so some background then, some quick notes on, on research. Uh, just a quick idea there of the seven uh, uh, South African research chairs, distinguished chairs that, that the university holds. Uh, of course, we're never satisfied with, with that number. Uh, when our peer down the road is 20 or so of these. Um, uh, so there you have an idea uh, in geometallurgy, social change, indigenous plant use, <coughs> African diplomacy, international law, education and care in childhood, and nanotechnology for water. So distinguished scholars um, uh, appointed um, and now challenged to deliver um, uh, the, the research outcome the research results that uh, we, we we all expect of them. 
Um, NRF-rated researchers um, uh, have grown in the university from uh, a floor of 67 to 115. We expect by the end of this year for that number to break through uh, 130. Uh, why is this important? Um, having, having our scholars rated means that they are recognized by their peers. It means that their scholarly activity is represented in publications, in artifacts, um, in uh, book contributions, uh, in books, and so on, that these are recognized by their peers. Um, and so it's important for a university that desires to be known as a place of global excellence and stature, for it to have a significant, let me put it differently, a critical mass of NRF-rated NRF scholars. Um, ideally, given that we have a thousand, just over a thousand permanent academic staff, excluding the 2,000 temporary academic staff that the university um, uh, has um, uh, in its staff complement, um, working only on the thousand, um, uh, clearly a critical mass probably would be in the region of 250. Um, and so the university again has 2020 targets in, in this respect. The university has six A-rated NRF researchers. Just a quick note. So the highest rating is an A. Within A, there is an A1 and an A2, if you're interested. And then, of course, the next rating is a B. You got it, right? Uh, B1, B2, B3, right? Uh, the next is C1, C2, C3. And then, of course, you have a young uh, researcher. Um, uh, but there is also um, a peer rating, which is really called a presidential rating, meaning the president of the NRF gives that rating um, because it's believed, based on the evidence, that that individual is going to become an A-rated scholar in no time. I'm uh, looking here at Professor Marwala, who had a peer rating. Uh, he is up for rating this year. And so the question is whether that P rating is predictable. <laughs> so we all look forward as to whether he's going to be an A-rated uh, academic uh, by the time that he is that the letter arrives uh, on my desk about his uh, his his rating. Um, so 6A, 23B, um, 65C, 1P, and 19Y. So so that gives you just a breakdown of the 115. Uh, 117 postdoctoral fellows. Again, why is this important? It's important because one of the fundamental weaknesses about or of South Africa's research and innovation system is that measured on par with our peers, the number of full-time researchers in South Africa is close to a fifth of those of key peers. So this is something we're going to have to change. At one point at UJ, we had 25 postdoctoral fellows. We're sitting at 117. Professor, what are you, what's your target? One. I thought you were going to say 200. <laughs> okay, in the medium run, our target is to reach 200. Now, of course, the important thing here is that you give an opportunity to a doctoral graduate to continue his or her studies, to publish, to write the book, um, uh, to establish themselves in that one to two to three year window. And that's really the space that we provide at the university for, for that to occur. Um, 
because of all of this effort, because of all of these things that I've just shared with you now, the university's research output for 2011, and I should say 2012 only is reported on next year, because the accreditation process for 2012 auditing and accrediting is underway as we speak. Right, so I will only get that letter, uh, Anja, know when? In October, November, if we're lucky. In November, if we're lucky, probably in January, right? Um, that's for 2012. So just keep that in mind. This is why you see the 2011 number here. So you can see our 2011 research <coughs> output is up 26% on the previous year, which is a significant improvement. The good news is that we are looking another 20% up. 2012, our expectation is another 20% up on, on, this, on this number. And overall, uh, we have more than doubled our research output from 2005, again demonstrating extraordinary responsiveness in the university to the measures that we've put in place, the support we've put in place um, to our academics. 66% of the peer-reviewed articles on that research output list are now published in international journals. Uh, we still want to, to of course, push on um, beyond uh, that number. Leading peers in South Africa, UCT, sit closer to 82%. Um, and, and ideally, we would want to be in that kind of range as well. Um, I just mentioned six new patents, four new commercial initiatives. Uh, those are listed um, uh, up there. These are reported on. Um, 22 research centers um, in the university. Again, um, I just uh, scanned through this, or ask you to scan, just to give you a feel as to the kind of, of research centers in the university, visual identities in art and design, education practice, education rights transformation, advanced composite materials, industrial electronics, um, telecoms, stream processing, minerals processing, photonics, culture and languages, social development, sociological research, laser, water and health, advanced constitutional public and human rights law, uh, an institute uh, in this in transport and logistics and catalysis. That gives you a kind of feel of the spread across <coughs> the, the, the disciplines um, and fields of the university. And, and the last slide on this, just to wrap it, Paleoproterozoic mineralization, sustainable energy, aquatic research, nanomaterials, and plant and DNA barcoding. Again, just a picture here of last year's uh, winners. Uh, uh, Professor Dark was the runout for outstanding researcher um, in the field of uh, catalysis in chemistry. Um, outstanding researcher, uh, Professor Tadez Metz, uh, uh, philosophy, uh, and then uh, the most promising emerging researcher, Professor Fiona uh, Trigena uh, in uh, development economics. Um, just a quick snapshot. Just uh, some final um, slides to, to conclude on internationalization. Um, we simply report that uh, our presence, our footprint, uh, is now firmly established in these nations, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, Sen uh, Senegal, Tanzania, Uganda, but also China, Hong Kong, India, Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan. Um, uh, my colleagues say that this is a very important thing to share with you. Uh, it's a big deal, they say, that uh, UJ um, is uh, the first African university 
to host the Carnegie African <coughs> Leadership Center, supported, uh, uh, supporting uh, fellows from King's College in London. Importantly, we also reached a landmark agreement last year with EDEP. Um, uh, the particular um, uh, focus here is on working with EDEP initially in industrial policy, uh, so training um, uh, African leaders in business and industry, in government, as I say, and in uh, outside of government, uh, in industrial uh, policy, uh, given a desire to industrialize. Um, next year we kick off, uh, this, this this past year we kicked off with the short learning program and next year we continue with the master's program and we see this evolving into a suite of masters and short learning programs um, in the next three to five years which will see um, uh, leading Africans from across Africa coming to Johannesburg and UJ to undertake um, uh, learning in these areas. Um, the university also, I'm told, is a big deal. Be became a uh, member of the prestigious council of graduate schools. There's a gathering um, of um, senior leaders of graduate <coughs> studies, and their focus, and there are about 20 universities in this group, their focus is really um, to improve graduate um, studies. So some hard numbers. I'm sure you've been waiting for this, right? Um, let me begin by say, saying that when the, I don't have the page number now, but when you do look at the financial results um, towards the back, um, you will notice that the operating surplus uh, that the university recorded in its, it, 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 I presume it goes without saying, but it's important to say it, uh, in its financial results, its audited financial results, which, what is the term that you use? It has been... It has been found without fault, right? Uh, the auditors have given us a clean bill of health, unqualified audit for the eighth year running, right? And I should say that one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that our audit, in fact, we can have a, a stakeholder presentation on our audit of financials already by middle of April because they are concluded typically between end of January, uh, end of, uh, what do you call it, uh, March and mid-April, mid again demonstrating that um, our systems um, and processes are really outstanding in the university. So an operating surplus of 145 million compared with a previous year of 34 million. Um, and in a total surplus, and this is mainly because the markets did so well, um, a total surplus of 411 million against a total surplus the previous year of 208 million. Um, so just to share with you just some, uh, uh, just one slide, I promise you, only one slide, just to give you the trend line. Um, if we look from 2005, as I said, the founding year, beginning with the council-controlled reserves. So these are reserves that the council can decide we're going to blow it, right? We're going to spend it on some exotic uh, thing. We're going to buy X number of airplanes <laughs> or helicopters, right? So it started in 05 at 3.31, and it has peaked at 996 million. Uh, our previous uh, DVC finance said if he had 4 million in his pocket, he would just put it in there to make it a billion. Um, so you can see even on the year-on-year -year growth from 7.53 to 9.96 um, is almost a 30% improvement 
um, in council controlled reserves. And these are outside of, in fact, let's put it differently, commitments are accounted for. So uh, our Dorenfontein campus development project is already accounted for. Our development of a new residence on the Soweto campus coming up next year is already accounted for. Our development of two new large lecture halls on this campus to be opened uh, in 1st of August, or let's say middle of July next year. That's also accounted. So it's not money that's, that's, that's sitting here or there. These are funds that the council has available for itself to invest, uh, in particular to invest in the strategy uh, uh, on global excellence and stature. Um, then we have uh, property, plant, equipment. It's a bit of a, don't think of that number as a number, as a replacement value number. It's a book value, right? If I was just doing numbers the other day and saying, if we had, if, if the Dorenfontein campus, for some reason or the other, massive fire all goes down, hopefully uh, during a, a, a break, a university break, God forbid, but if it goes down, to replace it, it's probably three billion. So let's not confuse this number. This number is really just intended to show movement. Um, and you will see movement here, um, and then some depreciation, but you see movement here, and that movement is really the investment in the Soweto campus. There will be again a slight uptick here now as we, uh, uh, what is the word? As we bring in to the, into the balance sheet uh, the, the capitalization of, of, of the Durham-Fontaine campus. Uh, investments and of course here and a bit, uh, uh, bit, bit, bit here and a bit at Soweto. But yeah, so, so that's that, that line is is really just to reflect the the appreciation, the appreciation of plant and equipment as a result of council's investments in the in the the the, the period uh, under review. So here's the the UJ Trust. This is not council controlled. As much as council would wish, it's under its control. Right. Uh, there is the UJ Trust. Started off at 355 million. You can see it's sitting now at 550. But I thought I'd share with you one other uh, bit of information, and that is the, the, the UJ Trust makes donations to the university. That's its sole purpose. That's why it's created. Right. Um, in this eight year period, the Trust made donations to the tune of 264 million. So I just made a calculation and said that that trust should have sat at, at 814 million today, excluding any investment growth on the 250 odd million rands that it had donated. So just keep that in mind uh, that the that the growth line is not as aggressive um, as the as the other growth line simply because of the investment. And last, in, and in 2012, the, um, the trust donated uh, 26 million rands. Um, so just keep, keep that in mind as well. Um, and if you're interested again, so what's the formula that the trust uses for making donations to the university? The first principle is it must sustain itself, meaning it must continue to grow as a trust. Um, so how do we determine that? We say inflation plus 2%. That is the floor. After that, we consider donations to the university. 
the agreement is that there's annually a minimum of 15 million donation that the trust would make. But the formula is, once the trust is appreciated by, uh, what do you call it, CPR plus 2%, then, then we then we in the game. Um, I'm not going to go through uh, this. It's on page 6, as I've uh, indicated. So this is the scorecard that the that the council uses to evaluate us. And you can see it includes teaching effectiveness and enrollment management. Um, uh, we, we have moved mainly now to output measures, although we are still trying to drive there uh, the, the input measure on honor, master's, and PhD enrollment. I can just mention that as a matter of interest that this year's master and doctoral enrollment combined <coughs> is about 3,100. Uh, and that's the number that I personally really look at. Um, the honor is good bec uh, because it, it's the pipeline into MND, but the real number that, that, that I personally look at is the trend line in respect of, of, of those. Um, research output, you can see again the focus is principally output um, and where that output is. When we stand here next year this time, that will change because we are shifting our focus slowly from quantity, volume, to quality, and volume. How's that? <laughs> right? So we want to do both still before we eventually transition when I'm long gone uh, to, uh, to quality um, only. Um, we also look at technology innovation, financial sustain, uh, stability. Just a matter of interest, what does uh, financial stability mean? It means operating surplus or loss. And the idea was that we would reach break-even. Um, uh, we did far better than break even for the year under review, as, as I've indicated. And just the headlines again, we look at resources, generation, institutional efficiency, effectiveness, and so on. So energy management, waste management, clear targets are set for us, meaning we must reduce energy by 5%, meaning we must recycle uh, waste by 6%. And we're talking of hundreds of tons of waste. Uh, that are produced by the university, its staff, its students, its business, uh, and therefore uh, we, we're making some progress in respect of these matters. I think that's it. Uh, thank you very much. Mm -hmm.